0: This is the Rocky Mountain Review. I'm your host, Maximus Hunter.
1: And I'm Ren Wattsworth, and today we have a pretty packed show. We're going to kick it off with a little bit of a national piece, something that we don't usually do here on the Rocky Mountain Review.
0: But We're trying something new, and our new reporter, Britt Leeski, will be going into that one for us. After that, we've got our cool sports dude, Dixon Lawson. Hey, guys. Hey, Dixon.
1: Yeah, and then after that, we're going to have an interview. Uh, with some local kombucha makers here at Fort Collins.
0: From Turtle Mountain Kombucha, it's Hannah and Natalie DeSanto.
1: And then after that, we're going to go into our traditional local news and campus news. And then we're going to kick it off with a roundtable about coats on dogs. And if you're interested in that, stick around for that. And if coats you have, on dogs. Yeah, coats on dogs in the winter, especially. And coats specifically, uh, winter coats, not the coats they have regularly. Um, so if
0: you, <laughs> I, I didn't catch that. That Yeah so if you have any opinions
1: on that you can go ahead and text us at 970-491-5278. Once again that number is 970-491-5278. And speaking of texting in we do have a question for yeah, you. We
0: do have a question for you. Uh, and that question is do you like kombucha and kimchi and other probiotics? Uh, what are your, what's your opinion? Uh, just in the studio here we've heard uh, a lot of different opinions on uh whether or not they think it's, uh, you know, good for you. Whether or not they think it's tasty. So, what's your opinion? We'd love to know. You can text us that opinion at nine seven zero four nine one five two seven eight. That's nine seven zero four nine one five two seven eight. Let us know. Do you like kombucha?
1: Yeah. Uh, or if you have any stories about trying it, maybe not liking it, or trying it and loving it, and you were surprised. Just let us know anything about kombucha or any other fermented vegetables or drinks.
0: Tell us your tale.
1: Yeah. All right. But we're going to kick it off with Brit's National Piece. Hey
2: everybody. I'm Brittany Liske, and I'm going to be talking about some national news with you all today. Thanks, Brit. So, Lauren Camera reporting for US News uncovers that schools in the US show no improvement in math, reading, and science on the international exam. This exam, if you haven't heard about it, is administered to more than 600,000 students in both public and private schools used to measure what these students have learned in math, reading, and science. The results from the National Assessment of Education Progress show that the math and reading scores for 4th and 8th grade students have not only been showing no improvement, but they've actually been dropping when compared to previous years. However, the U.S. is not alone when it comes to these declining test scores. It has been found that since the first test has begun administration, most countries have seen virtually no improvement in their students' test scores. Another point of concern is the gap between the performance of these students, causing a polarization of these scores. This, again, is not something unique to the U.S. and has been reported by other countries administering this exam. That is all I have for you today for National News.
0: Thank you so much, Brittany. It's so interesting that if all these countries are taking this exam and no one's really improving maybe there's something up with the exam yeah the whole point
1: of tests usually is to see improvement in your students um so if it's not working maybe it needs to be adjusted so it'll be interesting to see how that progresses through the years
0: absolutely well thank you so much for giving us some national news Brittany. and i think we're going to keep it going with the national news
3: in the future so right on
2: yeah definitely all right dixon
3: hey is it time it it's time. Is time. Yeah. Time
1: a little bit about
3: sports well december is here and with it uh disappointed to one season an exciting finish for the other november 29th was the site of the last csu rams football game this season as they looked to stay bowl eligible with a win against the boise state broncos uh with their backs against the wall the rams played hard staying with boise for the for the most of the game excuse me after a late rally the rams fell uh, short late in a game in the game excuse me losing 24 31 csu was Able to have more yards through the air and in total compared to the Broncos with 379 yards in total, uh, the CSU's defense held strong as a ranked opponent, forcing the Broncos to go 7-for-16 on third down. And for some seniors, this was their last college football game. And for Bobo, it could also be his last. More on that later. Looking forward to CSU Volleyball now with the, ranked, or the now number... <sighs> now ranked nationally number 10 rams they will be headed to seattle washington this weekend uh, for the first of two rounds in the ncaa bracket on friday at 6 p.m they will kick off their 2019 tournament run against south carolina and if they're able to win they will play the winner of number eight ranked washington and Wintrope 90.5 zone nick baker and sean garber will be in washington bring you all the action live here on kcsu now i uh i was able to go to the boise state game and i have a few things before i get really into that but one our student section uh what i thought there was actually i was impressed that there was three sections filled for the game because up in the press box i couldn't see actual like colors um, and when we went down after the game i found out that our student section was actually entirely boise state yep. wow uh and so you know there probably wasn't more than 5,000, 10,000 people there and at least over half were boise state fans so, first off, my question for all of you is, would you ever have a game over a national break? Just in general. Hey, I, mean, hey, I mean, no. Especially that, after Thanksgiving.
0: Especially for the last game of the season. Uh, I do think that was kind of maybe not the best choice planning-wise. I mean, I, I I couldn't go. Most people I know couldn't go, even if they wanted to.
1: Well, I thought... I thought that usually it was bigger schools um, in the bracket who took over like Thanksgiving Day games. If I was, yeah, Dixon's nodding his head. Yeah,
4: definitely. <laughs> if it were like a UC school or like yeah. basically any big school that's known for its athletics, I would have understood it. But because it was CSU and and we don't let students stay in the dorms, so we had oh, no hope that freshmen would go. We had no hope that other students would go because it, for one, it was on—it th- was like over Thanksgiving break. They're all tired. They're all trying to hang out with their family and, and friends. The day after, it was the day after yeah. Thanksgiving, right? Yeah. 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 So everyone's still like tired or still enjoying their family. Their break, so of course no There's no, no dorms one to go back to. Yeah. Yeah. I
5: was definitely bummed because I went home for Thanksgiving and I wasn't going to be back until Saturday. So I would have got it if it was on Saturday, mm-hmm. but... Yeah, well, I was really bummed because it was the last game of the season yeah. and everything. So. For, for
3: me, I didn't even know the game was at one thirty on Friday. I found out Wednesday night and I was like, oh, I have to now drive up on Thanksgiving instead of spending time with my family because I had to be here for the game, which that's fine. I, I, I accepted that responsibility. But for everyone else, you know, I couldn't believe how dead it was on campus. I actually just completely dead. There was no walk. There was no pregame. There was no tailgating. It was dead. And the snow probably didn't help by any means. Um, no. But at the end of the day, that was probably one of the best games the Rams have played all season. And absolutely no one is talking about it because, as I was going to lead to, the only question on everyone's mind is will Bobo stay or not? Right. And I'm downright appalled at how uh, the press treated the players after the game. Uh, because there was, there was not a single question given to a player that I heard. And so I may not have heard him. I wasn't in every single. But every question was, how do you feel about Bobo? Do you think Bobo should be fired? Do you think Bobo needs to be fired? Do you think there needs right, to wasn't be a change? About the it wasn't about the players. Or I the I was the only person that asked a player about the actual game. I asked one of the, the safeties, I said, you know, how'd you guys handle the motions? I figured there'd be all this talk about how we stop such a good ranked team. The only talk is about Bobo. And personally, it it upsets me to see the I guess lack of respect that the players are mm-hmm. getting. Because at the end of the day, they're just look they're just trying to bait him.
0: Right. Well, it's, it's a much more sensational headline
3: yeah and that's what I don't like at the end of the day is that really what media and, and sports media is about is just trying to get these college athletes who are here to A. study and you know get a degree and just play the sport they love we're trying to get them in trouble you know trying to catch them off guard after How that they say something about yeah, you know. yeah and I don't like, know And like
1: Dixon was saying, I was at the game, too, and while I was frustrated that I had to be there, because we had practice on Thanksgiving for the marching band, it was one of the best games I'd ever seen the Rams play. Um, They fought incredibly hard against this team that had not lost one game. Mm -hmm. We almost won that game. Um, And if there had not been some of those calls that were extremely frustrating, like... Uh, not to get too opinionated, <laughs> yeah, it, it but um, if I'm if I'm uh, correct, you actually have to touch down to get a touchdown, right? Like you have to touch Two the field. Down. Well, yeah, that one Boise State guy did mm-hmm. not ever touch the ground.
3: You know, oh. at at the end of the day, it, it's rough that they they came up short. But I just I don't I can't believe that there is no response from the the media the community of there's no one supporting them you know at yeah. the end of the day a lot of those seniors just played their last game yeah. for csu and i
1: think i think they did such a good yeah. job like i was really i don't want to say surprised because sounds i was
3: i'll say it <laughs> i was very surprised to see us handle ourselves against a ranked nationally ranked team i do so. have
1: to say it was a little frustrating watching us do that well against boise state <laughs> and realizing we probably could have fought that hard the rest of the season against teams that we probably had a better chance at winning um, so that was a little frustrating just from a spectator's um, viewpoint, but I also get the player's point of view. This is my last game. I'm going to give it my all, do my hardest. Yep. Um, but also I feel like players should have that opinion the entire season. I agree. Yeah.
0: Uh, so, Dixon, I'm yeah. Gonna, here's my question for you. Um, do you think that the response by the media and the play of the game would have been different had the game not been played on the day after Thanksgiving?
3: Uh... No, if the result was still the same, nothing would have changed. Nothing would have changed. No, it probably would have been worse because at the end of the day, I think more students would have been upset about the game if they had been there Mm -hmm. because then they would have felt more like, ah, we were a part of that loss where most of them probably don't really even know about it. Um, gotcha. And the media, since they still lost, the media still would have hit him the same way. That's true. You know, If they would have won, you wouldn't have heard a single question about it. It would have been like, great job, coach. How did you handle him? How did you beat him? You know, and it's like, come on, treat him the same way, win or loss. Don't yeah. don't be shady. So let's talk about winners for a second, and let's talk,
0: talk about the volleyball team. Thank you. Yes, Woo-hoo. absolutely. So we are following the volleyball team into the postseason, correct? Yes,
3: uh, we will be there on Friday at 6, like I said, or 6 our time, excuse me, uh, for the start of that game. Um, awesome. I, this is probably one of the the best seedings we've ever had. In you, you said know. we're tenth right now. Well, that's in the in the coaches poll. Um, in RPI, we're a lot lower okay. um, because the teams we play aren't as good in the Mountain West. We're not playing you know uh, Penn State's and and other good volleyball teams. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, But so this is probably one of the best, I guess, seedings we could have got because we're not playing a super high-powered team. We match up pretty well with Washington, which will be uh, most likely who we'd play in the second round if we make it. Knock on wood. um, And... So, truly, it's a really good opportunity for the Volvo team, and I'm super excited, looking forward to seeing what they can produce. So, do you know what the the roadmap looks like uh, if we we keep winning? Yeah. What happens? Uh, (laughs) So, if we go to uh, the third round, uh, there is actually a chance that we could host at that point. If a couple, I believe if Kentucky loses... Um, in their little bracket, if somehow they lose and and we are still there, we will be able to host the third round uh, here at Moby. Wow, that'd be um, cool. And honestly, that's really the best roadmap you got outside of that. It becomes a little, uh, I call it too predictable, or not too predictable, too unpredictable. Too unpredictable. Um, that's uh,
0: in uh, you know like wishing territory. Yeah,
3: I don't. We don't want to wish. And you know, they definitely have the talent to do it, but we're gonna have to see if they can pull it off. Definitely, definitely can't get ahead of yeah. ourselves here. Well, thank you so much, Cool Sports, you Dixon. No, I appreciate it, guys. Thank you very much.
1: Alrighty, we're going to take a quick break but then after that we're going to have our interview with Hannah and Natalie uh, from Turtle Mountain. And then we still wanted to ask you guys a question about kombucha since they're going to come on and talk and they're a little bit of experts in kombucha, Just a little bit though. Um, so go ahead and text us with your stories and your opinions on kombucha and anything fermented at 970-491-5278 once again that's 970-491-5278 or if you have any questions for hannah and natalie you can go ahead and ask them that and they'll answer it live on air at 970-491-5278 so stay tuned for our interview with turtle mountain kombucha right after the break
0: we will be right back And we're back on the Rocky Mountain Review. My name is Maximus Hunter.
1: And I'm Ren Wansworth. And you just heard a little bit of sports talk with our cool sports dude, Dixon. And
0: And before that we had national news, our first ever national news with Brittany. So uh, we had a lot of fun with that and now we're jumping right into our interview. We have uh, two wonderful ladies from Turtle Mountain Fermentary. Would you like to introduce yourselves?
6: Sure. (laughs) Uh, I'm Natalie and my sister Hannah's here with me. We're the owners of Turtle Mountain Fermentary. We kind of make everything happen. I make everything and Hannah does the rest of the business.
0: Awesome. So what do you guys make at Turtle Mountain Fermentary for those who don't know?
6: We make kombucha. We also make sauerkraut and kimchi. So they're all um, raw fermented foods that contain living probiotics. We also do immunity shots and mocktails and hot teas. So, we're kind of an all around health uh, bar. It's set up kind of like a coffee shop, but, and a mixture of a coffee shop and a bar, but there's just all sorts of healthy drinks. All right. So, talking about your
1: uh, title a little bit, Turtle Mountain is kind of an interesting business title, um, name. Could you guys talk about why it's called that and like what was the inspiration for that?
7: Well, we certainly want to be unforgettable. And Natalie has always loved turtles since we're growing up. And so, turtles, we're from Pennsylvania, from the East Coast, and mountains, kind of combining Colorado. I said to her, when you're naming your business, what are your two favorite things you're never going to get tired of? So, turtle, mountain, there's also a lot of symbolism there with the world potentially being built on a turtle's back and mountains always growing.
0: I like that. Okay. And the, the turtle's back, that's kind of like an old uh, legend. That's yes. cool. So, what are kimchi and kombucha and what makes sauerkraut raw
6: so that's a lot of different questions i'm gonna answer them one by one (laughs) (laughs) um so kombucha is a fermented tea so we add a culture to it it starts off just um we actually brew ours exclusively with yerba mate tea which sets us apart from any other kombucha company that i know of and so we started off as just tea add a culture to it and then it creates these living probiotics through fermentation and sauerkraut and kimchi. Kimchi is kind of like sauerkraut's really spicy cousin, but they're just, um, it's like a traditional way of fermenting cabbages that creates living probiotics through the process of that using salt to draw out the natural um, minerals that are in the food itself.
0: So um, what are probiotics?
6: Probiotics are um, a living bacteria that when you have them in adequate amounts in your body, they can give you health benefits. But there's tons of different kinds of probiotics. And bacteria is kind of a hard word to get behind. Um, And you have to first accept that your gut is a microbiome that has tons of bacteria within it. Um, So basically probiotics are the good bacteria that you can add into your diet that will help your gut to function more effectively. It'll help you to break down your food more efficiently, get more from it, and help you to balance out um, all sorts of digestive issues and immune function. It helps to improve that.
7: I think there's also something interesting about probiotics is we're learning more and more through research that it's in your gut, but your gut is actually linked to your brain function as well. So the more that we're learning, like a healthy gut equals a healthy mind and overall healthy, just a whole healthy body because it really, as Natalie was saying, links to your immune system as well.
0: So the term trust your gut is a little more spot on (laughs) than we originally thought, huh?
7: Actually, yes.
1: (laughs) So to get a little more personal with the question, something I'm always interested in in family businesses is what it's like working uh, with family. (laughs) And since you guys are sisters, I think that's such an interesting dynamic. Could you kind of talk about uh, what it's like working with your
7: sister? It's certainly an interesting (laughs) time. I think that the best part is is that we both know that we're going to work so hard for each other, for the business, for everything that we do, and that we're always going to have each other's back. And that... (laughs) Um, and also just, we're very, very honest with each other. So it's easy and hard to make business decisions at the same time. But I think honesty is the best policy and um, I never I never second guess her decisions or her work ethic.
6: I agree with that a hundred percent. If any of you guys have family members, you know that it's easy to get kind of carried away as that. And it's definitely a difficult balance of being your sister also your best friend, if I may speak for myself, and your business partner. Um, But we actually grew up in a family our mom worked with her sister and her father. So we kind of learned from them how to balance it all. And we definitely talk business at family occasions, but we try to limit ourselves to that. And we certainly have a lot more fun than I think a lot of people do at work. (laughs) (laughs) I agree.
0: How'd your family react to the working probiotics? So did you get them into it?
6: Some of them. Some of them? Yeah. Um, our mother is our biggest supporter. She oh. loves it. Our grandparents are having a little bit of a harder time getting behind it, but our grandma <laughs> loves our sauerkraut. Oh,
1: good.
6: Um, and yeah, our family is definitely super supportive of us having our own business and really happy that we carried on the the tradition. I definitely agree with that.
0: So let's talk about probiotics again for a second. Um, do you have any stories of like concrete examples of like the kind of benefits that probiotics can bring to people?
6: It's hard to give examples because so many people have so many different stories. Probiotic kind of encompasses a huge ecosystem of bacteria, so they can have different effects. A probiotic can act differently in one person than it does to the next person. Um, but we have our customers come up and give us all sorts of inspirational stories about how our products have helped them or how other probiotics have helped them. And, um, some general things that they're known for is just kind of preventing. We have one person who told us that she solved her son's asthma with our kombucha, which really stood out to me because I'd never heard of that before but um as i said it's hard to put any of our products in a box because they are alive and they are so unique
7: and react differently to each person yeah and just to piggyback on what natalie's saying is that they are different for everybody but uh, the major major things that we hear at the farmers market at the store is that it helps people with digestion it helps with bloating it really helps with like any sort of like buildup in your digestive system cleansing are the number one number one reasons and then all sorts of like energy when you have a buildup in your digestive system and you get to release that it is like energetic and cleansing and healing in many sorts of ways.
1: So kombucha's become kind of mainstream and really popular in the last couple years especially in Fort Collins the kombucha scene is huge I had never even heard of kombucha until I started going to school here why do you think that is?
7: I think that kombucha is getting more and more popular just because there's so much research building on it now that people are actually, you know, back in the day, people are like, oh, my mom makes this and she's drinking it. She makes it in her closet or whatever. (laughs) But now people are making it. They're making it on a large scale. There's nationwide businesses. There's a lot of research going into it. And it is, in my opinion, a delicious beverage. It's a great um, non-alcoholic option. There there's trace amounts of alcohol in it through fermentation but legally less than half a percent for a non-alcoholic um so it's just a tasty alternative to sodas sugary beverages things like that it's fun to have something in your glass that's not water so definitely
0: <laughs> um so that actually brings up a pretty interesting question uh so i mean you know a, a lot of people once they go into fermentation end up going into beer or- other kinds of alcohol, what made you both decide to go into uh, kombucha and fermentation for probiotics instead of for alcohol as a career?
6: So fermentation actually happened as a happy accident at Turtle Mountain. Uh, We started off as a tea company and a holistic herb company, Um, I'm very into herbalism, and then discovered fermenting tea through my love of tea. And when I first moved out here, I was working for a farmer at the farmer's market and he told me I should bring my kombucha there. (laughs) So I did and there was so much positive feedback that I ended up getting my own stand. And then when he had leftover cabbage or leftover, beets or peppers. I would make sauerkraut and kimchi out of them. So just kind of using the resources that were available to us and pulling off of our local community and the feedback from them is how we got into it.
7: Yes, and I joined Natalie because she was doing it for two or three years by herself before I officially decided to get off the phone telling her what to do and (laughs) join the team. So I had been obviously consuming her products for a long time and i just loved it and i felt the difference in my body and i wanted to join with her and just share it with the community and build a business together
1: so you touched a little bit on it at the farmers market and you did as well um, about the community how have they reacted to your business
7: and the kombucha you guys sell i feel like our community is so supportive it's amazing we'll be going this summer on our sixth year at the farmers markets and we have customers that have been there, or will be there all six years, which is amazing and humbling and awesome. And just seeing people who come back every single week, and then when the farmers markets are closed, they're coming to the store over the winter. It's crazy to just see how much people love the products and how it works for them in here. And then not only to have customers, but now they're our, our friends too. Oh, that's nice. That is pretty nice.
0: So I'm curious, what's the process like to ferment veggies and to make kombucha? How do you ferment something?
6: Well, there's lots of different processes. (laughs) Um, As I was kind of touching on before, kombucha is a fermented tea. Uh, So that just starts off as a brewed tea. And then we add a culture to it, kind of like how milk becomes yogurt, tea becomes kombucha. Um, So we kind of do that to a certain pH. We actually have a lot of CSU students working for us that help to regulate everything, package everything. Um, We have some interns that have really helped to hone in on our process, which is awesome. So hello to any of our CSU students that are listening. (laughs) And um, to make sauerkraut and kimchi It's really just fresh vegetables and then we use a certain amount of Celtic sea salt and spices and we let it ferment to a certain pH and then package it all raw without processing. It's all done by hand and all the labels are put on by us and our team so it's pretty straightforward.
7: And a big difference that you can find in kombucha and fermented veggies as Natalie's saying is raw or unpasteurized versus (laughs) being processed. So ours specifically everything is raw meaning we don't heat package anything. Once you heat package a probiotic you're going to kill the natural probiotic and have to add in dehydrated ones later. So you really want to be looking for raw, unprocessed in a label to get those naturally occurring probiotics.
0: Interesting. Um, I'm, I'm just kind of curious, so some of the stuff you would like buy at the store, like kombucha, you would buy at like King Soopers or somewhere, is that going to be the same kind of probiotics or are those not raw anymore?
7: It depends. Every brand is different, so I would say A large percentage are raw and unpasteurized and a small percentage are. But it's definitely something to be aware of when you're buying.
0: Gotcha.
1: And so you guys uh, have a store here in Fort Collins, correct? Yes. Do you guys hold any events there, any tasting room
7: events? We do. We do all sorts of fun stuff. And actually this month we have a couple fun ones coming up. With a building your own terrarium with Bath Garden Center. We have a macrons and kombucha pairing for a fun holiday dessert, um, an or- herbal ornament making party, and we do yoga at the tap room um, on a bi weekly basis most months. So if you're interested, you can always find those tickets on Eventbrite.com. And you talked a
1: little bit about uh, CSU students working for you guys, Uh, how can students get more information on how to possibly work for you or just get more information about you guys?
6: Well, we have a website, um, com. We also have um, our Instagram and our Facebook. If you send a message, it's going to go to Hannah or I. So we most likely, Hannah, I'm not good at it. <laughs> so we'll get back to you as soon as possible. And um, we love to meet people, hear questions, and kind of get to know everyone. Um, and the more people that we can get involved, the more help that we have. And that's just awesome so send a message
7: and if you're interested in fermentation or kombucha you're always more than welcome to come into the tap room and talk directly to us we often work shifts but we as i said have a lot of great people who are working behind the bar and are super knowledgeable on fermentation and kombucha and to talk a little bit more specifically about the store like natalie was saying it It's kind of like a coffee shop meets a brewery but no coffee and no beer so (laughs) we serve hot tea and kombucha but it's seven taps and they're always rotating three stay the same but we have specialty flavors and flights and all sorts of fun ways for you to try the kombucha along with the fermented veggies like little platters and things as well
1: Alright, I think we're unfortunately going to have to wrap it up, but would you guys like to add anything about
7: your business, about kombucha in general, Uh, just some closing remarks? I just think it's amazing to be able to offer um, a kombucha bar to Fort Collins and that the people of Fort Collins and all of northern Colorado is very into learning about fermented vegetables and kombucha and just taking care of themselves. So we're happy to be able to offer that as an avenue.
6: We also want to thank you guys for having us on here and reaching out. It's super fun to be here. It's our first radio show.
7: (laughs) Oh, right on. Well,
0: we're super glad to have you. Thank you. All right. Yeah, well, thank you, Hannah and Natalie from Turtle Mountain Fermentary. Uh, If you're interested in checking out more, you can go to that website they mentioned. And if you missed the beginning of the interview, you should check it out on our website, kcsufm.com slash rocky-mountain-review. If you want to hear the whole interview, we'll be right back. And we're back on the Rocky Mountain Review. My name is Maximus Hunter.
1: And I'm Ren Watsworth. And we are joined in studio by three, yes, you heard me say that right, three of our wonderful reporters. If you'd like to introduce yourselves. Hey
2: everyone, I'm Britt Liskey.
0: I'm Ryland Todd. I'm Cutta Babcock. Welcome. We just heard from Hannah and Natalie DeSanto. Um, about their company, Turtle Mountain Brewer, uh, Fermentary. Where they make <laughs> uh, they make kombucha and kimchi and raw sauerkraut and all kinds of cool stuff. If you missed out on that and want to check it out, you can find it on our website, kcsufm.com, uh, under the Rocky Mountain Review.
1: Yeah. Um, and before that, we heard a little bit of sports news with Dixon Lawson, our cool sports guy. And then before that, we heard our first ever national news piece here on the Rocky Mountain Review this semester with Brittany. Um, coming up next, we're gonna have some local news with Coda. And then jump right into our roundtable about, uh, some news stations are saying that people need to check how their dogs are being treated in the winter, specifically if they should be wearing coats, if they should be wearing boots. And just some people's opinions on that. So if you have an opinion on whether your dog needs to be wearing a coat and boots during the winter, uh, go ahead and text us at 970-491-5278. Once again, that number is 970-491-5278.
0: But without any further ado, here's your local news.
4: With local news reporter, Koda Babcock thanks all right hi there i'm coda Babcock, and this is your local news for tuesday december 3rd 2019 the u.s department of housing and urban development is expected to invest almost nine million dollars in the city of fort collins this money is intended to go towards affordable housing homelessness support as well as other means of economic and community development in the city fort collins wants resident feedback to help decide where this money should be allocated to give your opinion on how the city should use these funds visit fcgov.com social sustainability all one word. The survey is open through mid December and is available in English and Spanish. Fort Collins has announced 2020 utility rates for residents. Fort Collins utilities prices are based on the cost of serving the community and are adjusted based on cost of service studies. The money received from utilities goes towards new infrastructure to improve the conditions of utility systems. Residential and commercial rates are different. To learn more about commercial utility rates and how to manage costs, visit fcgov.com slash utilities slash business. To find out how residential utility costs are changing, visit fcgov.com slash residential dash rates. For questions, email utilities at fcgov.com. Fort Collins Volunteer Services Program has received service enterprise certification, joining a group of nationwide nonprofits, nonprofits, uh, with excellence in volunteer engagement and effective program and service delivery, the City of Fort Collins is the third city nationwide to receive certification. Certification requires comprehensive assessments, training, and coaching. Service Enterprise is a national program that supports organizations in strengthening their missions through volunteer work. Considering the incredible role volunteers have played in Fort Collins over the many year over the years in many parts of the city's operation. Just in 2018, more than 10,000 residents volunteered through 30 different city departments with an overall 153,000 hours. Fort Collins police need help identifying the people involved with a six incident theft ring at local fitness centers. Some of the locations involved being the Fort Collins Senior Center and the Adora Ice Pool Center. The incidents have occurred in the months of October and November this year. At least one male and one female are directly involved with the incidences and are associated with a light-colored minivan as well as a white ford super duty flatbed truck the woman appears to have long dark hair and the man appears to have shorter dark facial hair and they both attended to wear hoodie style jackets and surveillance footage in each incident the male suspect has been seen entering locker rooms and stealing personal property including but not limited credit cards several people have been associated with these suspects as they have been seen using the stolen credit cards the items currently being stolen were taken. The items currently stolen were taken from lockers that had been locked, and the police are encouraging people to keep valuables on them at fitness centers. Anyone with information about the suspects or incidences are encouraged to call Fort Collins Police Investigative Aid, Cara Walker, at 970-416-2275. To report anonymously, you can also contact the Crime Stoppers of Larimer County at 970-221-6868 or visit stopcriminals.org. That's all for today's local news. I'm Coda Babcock, and you're listening to the Rocky Mountain Review on 90.5 KCSU, Fort Collins. Thank you so much, Coda. Thank you, Coda. Of course.
1: Um, We're going to roll right into our roundtable. We're going to be talking about dogs in the winter. Um, And specifically what we're going to be talking about is CBS4 was talking about if your dog needs jackets and boots to go out in the winter cold. Um, Some of the reasons they thought that dogs needed to do that is if it's too cold for you, it's too cold for them uh a lot of things can harm their paws like ice and chemicals on the sidewalks so what are some opinions about that
0: well i I have a little tiny dog and uh (laughs) she hates the cold she can't stand it she always uh she won't go outside unless she's wearing her coat um and that's that's just like a personal preference thing to her i think she just doesn't like being cold But uh, I'll tell you this much is, I don't think I could ever get a pair of dog booties on her. (laughs) Never
4: happen. never would work. I've tried the dog booties. I, my mom has, oh, my mom has two Huskies. My brother has a Malamute and I have a mutt and all of them walk like horses when they have dog boots on. They just like, don't understand how to walk in them. They're just like really clumsy. They look like (laughs) a baby deer walking in them. It's hilarious. My mutt doesn't have enough fur, so he does wear a coat. um, A lot of the time or a sweater. So I think that shorter hair dogs need it.
1: Yeah, my dog, um, is a Great Dane Lab mix and she doesn't wear a coat, but also I don't think, A, I could get a coat on her if I tried. be Um, like a
0: human coat.
1: Yeah, probably (laughs) a hoodie, like a real hoodie. Um, but also she likes the cold. Um, if I let, if I open the door, she's out in the cold, she's in the snow, she's running around and I'm like, get inside, you're going to get hypothermia and she does not care. Uh, which brings up another point on this that, uh, sometimes uh dogs just are well equipped to be in the cold
5: well yeah i um my dog is a german shepherd lab mix and she loves the cold just like your dog she loves the snow she'll go out and roll around in it and we throw snowballs and she'll catch them and so she's in love with the cold but we previously had three huskies um like coda and um they have their own kind of coat themselves and are adap- well adapted to the cold, so it doesn't really bother them. All my dogs. And I think really on,
4: back on the idea of having boots for the dogs, I think it can be good if you have like a backyard covered in sharp rocks or if you have a really bad ice situation, but I think it's not always needed.
1: Yeah, I agree.
0: Um, some of my friends have this uh, big, beautiful Pyrenees um, and it, uh, it loves the snow. It totally loves snow. Actually, Brittany, you know that dog, right?
2: Yeah, I actually live with that dog. It's my roommate's dog. I love her to death. She is a great Pyrenees mixed with an Australian Shepherd. So two pretty big fluffy breeds. She actually has an extra, um, toe on both of her back paws that Just help her walk in love. the snow. So <laughs> she is very equipped for the snow. Whenever we let her outside, she'll put her face right in the snow roll around in it so she's definitely all about it i don't think she's ever really needed a winter jacket because she is so fluffy
0: boots would probably even make it harder for her because she has that extra toe
2: yeah i don't even know if i would be able to find a pair of boots that fit on those big feet
0: (laughs) (laughs) no and and that's for like and that's for traction and stuff and i think that is a an interesting point is that some breeds of dogs uh you know really don't need a coat and really don't need boots and it you know they're gonna be nice and warm without a coat and they'll have traction without boots and so it as a maybe as an all-encompassing rule, a coat isn't always necessary for a dog in the wintertime. time it really depends on the breed.
1: Well, yeah, and I brought it up uh, because it makes me think of these stories where someone lets like say their husky out outside and like like my dog, you just can't get it in. Like that husky is staying out there for hours on end because it likes that weather and then someone ends up calling uh, the Humane Society. Because they think you're... Uh, because there's all these stories of people leaving their dogs out in the cold, which are legitimate. Um, but it comes from... It stems from people not really understanding that not every dog breed is equipped the same. Uh, at the end of the day, most dogs are animals. They are animals that are used to being outside. They do what they want. Yeah. Um, so I think it's interesting that this is kind of uh, on a news station because... Uh, what was I gonna say <laughs>
0: well it's it's a very uh, it's not a very universal thing it's a right. very case-by-case basis and so maybe by putting by putting some kind of you know like prerogative like this on a news on a news site by saying you know all dogs must be wearing their coats and booties in the wintertime says the people in charge may not actually well- yeah, quite I th- solve the issue. I
1: think it's also just making people think that if your dog's not wearing a coat, just like if your dog is outside, you're not treating your dog correctly, your dog is being mistreated, which is not always the case. And it, um, I don't want to say it's harmful, but it could. I could easily see how people could Interpret it that way that like, oh, I see this dog outside and sure it's fluffy, but it's not wearing its coat So it's probably really cold and this person's not treating it right well, I think that's
4: maybe a bigger even overarching issue is people trying to tell other people how to raise their pets, right? Yeah, and I think it also ties into an issue we talked about a couple weeks ago with the outdoor cat thing. Mm-hmm. People oh, yeah. think their dogs are so much closer to humans and in their needs than they do cats. Right. So you like never hear about people with outdoor cats having to like better equip Does their animals. your cat have a coat? Yeah. Yeah. No. yeah.
1: I was going to bring that up too, um, how protective we are of our dogs um, to the point that these dogs have these really equipped coats that are super... Hardcore and cats don't have that, and cats have the same fur. They also have fur, they also get cold. Um, t- I've I'll never seen a cat in a coat, I've never seen boots. a cat wear boots, <laughs> um, and it's just not something that's talked about. But they also feel the cold just as much as little dogs do. I'll tell
0: you what, there's kind of a strategy to it because you know, cats you don't have to go outside to do their business, but dogs do.
1: Well, and but what about your cat that's an outdoor cat? Like, you well, even still so, it's probably got like, like a litter, litter box
0: indoors. But uh, at least with, with my dogs, my dog, she's got uh, two coats. She's got a little Chewbacca onesie, and then she's got like a little adventure jacket I put on over that. And that's just when I take her out. But if she's just doing her thing, I'm not gonna put a coat on her because I actually I want her to get cold. I want her to go outside, get her business done, and come back in immediately so she isn't freezing. Because otherwise, her paws are going to get cold. She's still going to get cold. She's going to
2: yeah.
0: mix up a bunch of snow. And part of it is a lot of dog owners also just don't want their dogs out in the snow a lot during the winter. Getting wet, tracking in mud. You know, that could be kind of a pain.
5: Well, I think the point of, like, that dogs are animals, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, I treat my dog like a baby, but that's just me. <laughs> but also, at the same time, they adapt. They mm-hmm. are animals. They are meant to adapt and um. yeah it's
1: well the other thing that I would be worried about in this case is some of these dogs who are better equipped for the winter if you do put a coat on them it's very easy for your dog to overheat
5: exactly it's kind of like with the leaving the dogs in the car mm-hmm.
1: it's interesting you yeah. bring that up actually because that was something they talked about in the article was you shouldn't leave your dog in the cold in the car either which is a good topic
0: <laughs> it's the same as leaving your dog in the warm in the car mm-hmm. Um, I think we're going to wrap this one up so we can move on to some other stuff, but let's uh, let's go around the room and get some quick, uh, some quick last impressions, right?
1: Um, I think, overall, it comes from a good place that you need to know what your dog needs. You need to know if it's... if it needs a coat, if it needs boots. Um, but I don't think other people should be telling um, owners what their dog needs. I don't think it should be a super talked about discussion. I think most dog owners, and I say that tentatively because I know a lot of people, some people, I should say some people don't treat their dog correctly, but I think most owners know when their dog needs a coat, and they know when their dog needs boots in the winter.
0: Definitely. Brittany?
2: Yeah, I also think it just comes down to, like, the different dog breeds, because you've got these little chihuahuas who are going to be shivering when they're outside in the cold, and then you've got these big huskies who thrive in the snow, so... It's up to the discretion of the dog owners whether or not they think that their breed is going to be equipped for that type of weather or not.
4: Definitely right.
5: I definitely think it's a case-by-case basis, depending on the dog breed.
4: Coda. Um, I definitely th- agree with everything else that's been said. Um, I really think it came from a good place, but I think that we need to make sure we're not a, we're not putting, um, protective gear on animals that don't need it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I would just like to say, uh. If you know your dog, if you are well in touch with your dog, you'll know if your dog needs a coat. You'll just know. So, uh, you know, just stay in, a, stay in tune with your furry friend. But uh, that's enough dog talk for now. I think we're going to move into a break. But after the break, we're going to have some campus news with Ryland. And then we're going to go into nationals with Ren. And I'll take care of the weather. And we'll uh, wrap this up in a nice big bow just in time for December to start. How does that sound?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Right on. We'll be right back. And we are back on the Rocky Mountain Review. My name is Max Hunter.
1: And I'm Ren Wadsworth. And we are joined in the studio with one of our reporters, Ryland. if you'd like to say hi.
0: Hi, everyone.
5: Hey, awesome.
1: We just got done with a little roundtable about dogs in coats. So if you'd like to hear that and if you have an opinion on that, you can go ahead and check it out on uh, KCSUFM.com. And that's going to be under the Rocky Mountain Review.
0: Yep. And that's under news. And if you didn't hear our earlier interview with Hannah and Natalie DeSanto, uh, from Turtle Mountain Fermentary. Uh, if you want to hear that, check it out. They make kombucha, they make kimchi, they make raw sauerkraut, which I didn't even know what that, that there was a difference between that and normal sauerkraut. So if you want to learn about all that, you can find that on our website, like Ren said. But I think it is time for our campus news with Rylan. Are uh, you ready? Yeah. Take it away.
5: All right. Uh, this is Ryland Todd with your campus news for Tuesday, December 3rd. From December 2nd through the 16th, the pedestrian tunnel under the railroad tracks between Johnson Hall, Centennial, Centennial Hall, and Mason Street will be closed. Pedestrians will be asked to use University Avenue to access these buildings. The parking lot east of Johnson and Centennial Hall will also be closed. Construction crews will be replacing the concrete and asphalt. For more details, contact Cameron Kluver at 970-556-2909 or Clay Tucker at 970 970- 556 217-0618. A new housing complex, Meridian Village, will be undergoing construction from April 2020 through May 2022. The new housing is for students choosing to live on campus beyond their first year. It will be replacing both Aylesworth Hall and Newsom Hall on the south side of campus. Aylesworth has been on the CSU campus for over 60 years and Newsom for over 70. In October, the Board of Governors approved $130 million to begin Phase 1 of the project. Phase 1 will be built on the grounds where Aylesworth Hall used to reside. It will include 1,100 beds split across three buildings, a temporary dining and mail facility, the realignment of Meridian Avenue, and renovations to Ramshorn Express, Sports Grill, and the Braden Hall parking lot. Ramshorn Express and the Sports Grill will become an expanded grab-and-go style dining space. Laura Bentley, Project Manager for Housing and Dining Facilities, says, The intent is to create a larger convenience store-style concept that will be able to serve more people faster than the existing sports grill. Working alongside the Housing and Dining Center is Saunders Construction and 4240 Architecture. Both organizations have recently renovated many places on campus, including the LSC, Laurel Village, and Durrell Center. While the details of Phase 2 are not finalized, initial planning shows the second phase of Meridian Village will be constructed in the current location of Newsome Hall. The plan shows two additional buildings housing 200 to 500 beds, a permanent dining hall, and a lounge with a mailroom and desk services. As of right now, Phase 2 will be submitted for approval to the Board of Governors in fall of 2021. This year, the United Nations Climate Change Conference will take place in Madrid, Spain from December 2nd through the 13th. A dozen graduate students from Colorado State University will attend the conference and take part in the Climate Talks, or Conference of the Parties, COP. The graduate students took a class that prepared them on the ins and outs of this international gathering. The class was taught by Professor Gillian Bowser with help from Clark University's Associate Professor Elizabeth Gilmore, and Professor Sarah Green of Michigan Technological University. They help the students conduct research on the United Nations Sustainable Development goals which serve as a call to action for the countries around the world. Each team of students attending the conference is comprised of individuals from CSU, Clark, and MTU. They will present their findings at press conferences held during the Conference of Parties. And that's all for your campus news for today.
0: Thanks. Thank you. Oh, man, I really wish I'd been studying uh, climate change. I want to go to Madrid. It's <laughs> that would be awesome.
1: Oh, I was going to say, I'm really sad about uh, Newsom getting torn down. That was where I stayed. And I know a lot of alumni are really sad about both Aylesworth and Newsom being destroyed because it's had so much historical. History. I don't know. <laughs> it's they, had so much history at CSU, and so many people have lived in Newsome and I know it gets a bad rep as gruesome Newsome because it's not the newest place, but no, it does – It. I. I can sympathize wanting to go back to your alma mater and not seeing where you used to live as a freshman
5: or for four years maybe.
0: It's going to be I, – I do feel like that's going to be tough for some people.
5: Well, one thing was that, um, that they talked about was – that they are renovating because they are in need of more yeah. space, and because we're getting so yeah. many students coming in, um, and that are wanting to live on campus after their first year. So it's just it's kind of on a need basis, not really a want. Yeah. I, oh, definitely hey, yeah, yes. I definitely think
1: it'll. Yeah, I definitely think it'll be really cool, um, and I think it'll have some really interesting implications. What I'm interested in, and I don't know if you. Uh, read about this or know anything about this is if it's gonna go over meridian the avenue or if it's gonna cut through it It looks like
0: they're cutting into i mean so far doesn't meridian avenue just kind of go into the like that main loop space by yates
1: no so meridian is the one that goes directly off of canvas stadium and cuts uh Mm -hmm. past the intramural fields past the um yeah. That's the rec center. So it's a pretty pivotal street. That's where ram walk happens. That's where a lot of, that's where tailgating happens. So it's, interesting. Well, I mean, yeah. Not, so I, yeah. when I envisioned it, I, I don't know. This probably isn't how it's going to happen. I almost saw it being like a, like a like a bridge like a little cave going over meridian avenue but i'm not i'm not sure if that's how they're going to do it or if it's just going to be on top of meridian
5: yeah i'm not really sure they didn't really specify um but i'm sure as they continue the process we'll
0: see more concept art yeah We'll see how it's going to look i'm sure it'll be nice for all those you know incoming students or students especially i know that you said that uh some of it is it's kind of intended for students who aren't first years who want to stay on campus it's gonna be nice to have that space renovated, have some heating, Mm -hmm. have some better stuff. Sounds like there's going to be some new dining options there. I know uh, two years ago when I lived on campus, I lived in Allison, which is the oldest hall on campus, and, uh, you know, it's pretty, but they are missing some amenities, such as that temperature control thing, Mm -hmm. which really makes a big difference. So, I mean, I think this this could be some really good news, especially for new students. I know for alumni it might be tough, but... Uh, this could be a good thing.
1: Yeah, something, not to talk about this too much because it's all theoretical, but something that's going to be interesting is if it does cut into that Meridian Street, uh, the inflow and outflow of traffic by the stadium is going to be insane. It's already crazy during game days, uh, especially living next to the stadium and seeing what happened during game days and honestly just um move-in days was crazy and that was when we had three streets to get out of but this cutting yeah. into meridian would cut it down to one street getting out of that canvas stadium yeah that's well, a very
0: good point we'll see how it goes we'll see if they cut off the street entirely maybe they had a new street we don't know but uh it's probably time to move on what day is it today Ren?
1: uh the third <laughs> i did know it i <laughs> just wanted to make of a december. noise is it the is the third of december what
0: happens on the third of december
1: So if you're still in the giving mood after Thanksgiving last week, this national holiday is for you. Today is the National Day of Giving, and it encourages you to give back after Black Friday to those who are less fortunate. Whether you donate to charities, shelters, or those you know, this holiday encourages the generosity to be spread in any and all forms. Today is also National Roof Over Your Head Day. In the spirit of generosity and thankfulness, the day was initially created to take time and reflect on the little things that we have that we often take for granted, starting with the roof over our heads. This day encourages you to appreciate what you have and give to those who don't have as much if you are able. Today is also World Trick Shot Day, originated by the Harlem Globetrotters, who are some of the most famous trick shooters in the world. This day asks enthusiasts to... uh, this day gives enthusiasts a chance to showcase their most impressive shots. You can do these shots with anything and everything, from a basketball to a crumpled ball of paper. Do every twist, jump, and bounce to get that trick shot as special as it can for the holiday.
0: And right that's on. all I have
1: for the national news today. Thanks, Ren. Absolutely.
0: Wait, do you feel that in the air?
1: Ooh, what is it?
0: I think it's the weather.
1: Ooh. Cue the birds.
0: Nice. It's time for the weather. <laughs> Woo! So today was cool and clear with a high of 47. And the sun was sticking around all day. Just melting that snow away. Bringing the earth back to us. I'm coming. Mother nature, I'm here. <laughs> I'm here for you. And tomorrow we'll expect similar weather. We're getting closer to that earth. That snow's going away. The sun's shining. Uh, not a cloud in sight. It stopped raining. Uh, Mr. Blue Sky <laughs> standing in the day. Um, but the clouds are going to slowly start to roll in tomorrow. And the anticipated high for Wednesday is actually going to be dropping about 3 degrees. As far as Thursday goes, uh, temperatures are going to drop more. But it's actually it's just going to feel cold. There's high chance of snow on Thursday. Um, so that's probably going to happen. Be prepared for that. You know, Uh Take off your coats, frolic around for a good two days, <laughs> but then when Thursday comes, it's going to be snowy again. And then after Thursday, if you're interested in finding out what happens to that snow, if it's going to stick around, if it's going to go away, really just what what the deal is in general, uh, you can tune in to our show, The Rocky Mountain Review, uh, on Thursday at 4 o'clock to find out. Uh, on our next show, The Rocky Mountain Review, we're going to be having a uh, Denver rapper named Darius. Uh, so that should be exciting. We'll have our usual... Uh, local and campus newscasts. So if you want to check any of that out, definitely listen on Thursday.
1: Yeah, and you can also check out any of our past shows and the show that you're listening to tonight if you missed any of it at KCCFM.com and that's going to be under shows, I believe, and news and the Rocky Mountain Review. Or if you just search uh, Rocky Mountain Review, you can listen to all of our shows and all of our special interviews we've had over the year or over the semester. However... Unfortunately that is the end of this
0: show what? today. It's yeah. It is.
1: But before we do that, we of course need to thank some very, very special and important people.
0: Like Damien Castile, who makes this song.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much for the music that you add to our show. It is so wonderful and so beautiful to have it playing throughout
0: the show. Thanks, Damien. We'd also like to thank Julia Badalese, Hannah Copeland, Isaiah Reyes, Peter Walk, Raven Color, Hunter Sinclair, Asher Korn, Monty Daniels, um, everyone and and all their parents for having
1: Everyone at KCSU, thank you so much for everything you do. We really could not do this show without you guys. It's true.
0: Thank you, Ren. You put together the clocks. You help manage people. You do an awesome job of everything. So thank you so much.
1: Thank you, Max. You always make this show a delight. We also have to thank um, all of our reporters. Oh, yeah.
0: We have to thank our reporters.
1: Yeah. So (laughs) Coda, Rylan, and Brittany, we had three reporters in here. And we also had Dixon Lawson. We had a full cast in the show tonight. Yeah,
0: we really did. So thank you to everyone who helps us out I mean it's so much better to have a diversity of voices here and working with you guys on prepping the show and just doing the show it's really a pleasure to have you guys in the studio and uh, we're very thankful
1: and of course thank you to our two guests Hannah and Natalie DeSantos from Turtle Mountain
0: oh yeah that was awesome Really thank interesting you guys stuff. For coming thank in. you so much uh, we gotta thank you uh, we couldn't do this without you you listen to us and you make this happen so thank you and with that we'll, we'll see, see you next time, time.